We will recall our, 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 our late colleague, late, who he's still there. Who's dead? Late? Max. Max. Max isn't dead. He's I know that. He's, Max. Got, he's no longer with us in the in the sense that he is no longer a active... Uh, member part, of the team. Member of the team, he's yeah. Off, he's, off, he's off studying the law. Yeah. Well, one of us has got to go to jail one day. We're going to need <laughs> enough. But we used to call him Max... Or when Brian sues us. Or when I sue you, yeah. Yes. But we used to call him like Max Power, Maximum Damage, Maximum... What was it? Maximum Impact. Maximum Overdrive. Maximum Overdrive overdrive so it's just it's variations you know yeah, so, exactly so, yeah, so but it's always nice to get uh, to get feedback uh, yeah, from listeners good. yes and uh, he, he had a he had a, um, a being his bonnet about your name Deirdre yeah uh, but it was a very funny email thanks for the email Brian's going to read out uh, a couple of other letters yes. uh, towards the end of the show <laughs> he's very excited I'm reading I can't <laughs> believe people sent in <laughs> sent us emails That's I've been harping on about it since we started this thing and now we're finally getting the emails it's it's finally happened and we didn't have to give it. anybody a trip away on holidays or anything like that <laughs> <laughs> I love that guy. You know I love that guy. You know I love that guy. Pri- private joke there, listener. Private joke. Um, okay, let's talk a quiet place. Um, we've all seen this one. Yes, uh, loved it. I was at it with Joe on during the week. Yeah, uh, and Brian Lloyd sat in front of us. It did. Brian came in, plunked himself down. Oh, you yeah. know what we're gonna say. I know. It, I know. I'm, it's I'm going with D. You know what we're gonna say. And uh, I saw you and I saw you and D outside having the chats. Yeah, and uh, I was we were in, we were in the VIPs. God bless Newell oh, and Parman put us in the, in the reserve fair play, seat. Fair play to Newell. Uh, crack and film we're going to talk about in a second. But deep, bold on passes, Brian. Bold on passes. Look, I was with the friend and right. we were just having our girly catch up. And I guess we were kind of in our own little universe. Yeah. And Why I can't totally me and Brian be part of girly catch up? Why can't? That's bullshit. Sorry. Deirdre. I, I, it was a genuine mistake. I, do you know what? I don't think it was. Because like, I, I'll tell you why. I was why. talking to you before the screening. Brian. Yeah, but you then can't your friend. But then your friend turned up and it was like, yeah, I don't want her to like see the people <laughs> that I work with. And don't worry, Deirdre. If I was in your boat, I would think the same as well. I would not want people to know who I work with. Okay, I keep those. Ah, worlds but Brian, separate. I'm way cooler than you are. That's true, bro. She teaches dance. <laughs> she teaches dance. She just teaches dance. She'd be happy with your dance thing a plug. Uh, okay, Brian, you reviewed this first, so you give her four and a half stars. I you? did. I know you dug it as well. This is John Krasinski. John Krasinski uh, directed and starring, uh, yep. co-starring mm-hmm. Emily Blunt. Uh, I loved every minute of this. I thought this was incredible. Before we get into how good it was, though, you took away a half a star, uh, which is... Uh, I mean, for a four and a half star review for a film, that's an incredibly positive review. Incredibly it is. rare. 
uh, review, but for, for some reason people are kind of zoning in on the, on this, the half this star. One, this half star, yeah. No, okay, right. I'm not going to go into the specifics of it because if I do, I'll be revealing a big spoiler. What I will say about it is, is that I felt there was a part of this film that was just way too coincidental for my liking if okay. you get my meaning yeah. as in it was the sort of thing that like it was just a little bit too convenient it mm. was a little bit too kind of neat and tidy it was kind of the similar problem I had with Isla Dogs in the fact that there was a central kind of thing with Brian yeah. Cranston's character that was just I felt was too uh, too coincidental yeah. now Deirdre you made this point before mm-hmm. that it is the sort of thing that like okay we're all professional film critics here. We're all professional journalists. We watch a lot of movies, more more so than most people. I think we'd all agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the kind of thing that like, we kind of can see, I don't know. Kind of patterns and yeah. predict yeah. what's coming. Yeah. yeah. And that maybe that's it. Now, I fully, I can tell you right now, I will probably watch A Quiet Place this weekend. And I'll probably walk out of thinking, I was a dumbass. I should have given that five stars. Because <laughs> that's happened before. Yeah. I remember Sicario. I At the time I saw it, it was like four and a half or this is, yeah, four and a half, and then I watched it again, and I was like, what was I thinking? I should have given this I, a five I think stars. there's something to do with kind of a visceral response to films, because I've done yeah. that before. I did it with The Grey, which is now in is now genuinely my top five, top ten favourite films ever, uh, where I had a visceral, a visceral emotional response to the film, and I was like, this is an incredible film. I love everything about this film. But then I put the film critic, the film critic hat on, I was like, well, what are other people going to think? Are other people going to respond? You know? Yeah. And that's, that's a tricky balance to strike the but... Yeah. Uh, you liked this a lot as well. We, yes. did, we didn't see your reaction to the scary scenes or like that because you weren't <laughs> sitting next to us. Yeah. But uh, t- yeah. tell us what you thought. Oh, well, I, I wasn't as freaking out as much as actually the friend who I mentioned before. She was kind of like curling up in her seat, like putting her scarf up to her mouth and everything. So it is like quite scary. And there are a lot of jump scares. Like I definitely jumped a good few times. I just wasn't like horrified by it, I would say. But um, no, there's definitely a buildup of tension. It's really, really thrilling, really well paced, really Taught. I know that I'm taught, stealing. Taught, I'm, taught, I'm taught. stealing your word here because Mike was actually using that to describe it earlier. So T A U T taught. <laughs> I didn't. So know, I am I didn't saying I'm stealing word, that word. But, like I made a popular. Yeah, you, yeah. Know, you did. I like to think you again. Did. Exactly. But um, yeah, and it's so well acted by uh, John Krasinski, Emily Blunt. Um, I forget the name of the young actress now. Um, but she's amazing. The little boy in it is from like Wonder and, that, and that, that, that actress, is, that actress is, is here and impaired in real life. That's right. Yeah, um, she, yeah. she was in another, another film that's out this week. Did yeah, you? Wonderstruck, which is also out this week. So no there way. you go. Uh, not as good as a quiet place, though. <laughs> no, 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 it's, 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 it's it's not great. It's kind of a nice one for like kind of like kind of tweenies I yeah. suppose that kind of movie tweenies and their moms uh, Wonderstruck but back to A Quiet Place um, John Krasinski and Emily Blunt really do act their butts off I don't know if it's because you know they're married in life and they're kind of really giving their all because this is John so Krasinski's yeah. project but as well like they totally pull it off and what I loved about this was as well as being really you know thrilling and scary it was a genuinely compelling family drama like it's yeah. really quite moving yeah. you know I think uh, to me Brian that's what made this a five star movie because uh, John Krasinski is incredibly assured and that's something you say about a filmmaker who knows exactly where all the beats are and knows exactly where all the scares are, scares are where the ambience is but character wise this is what pushed this to a five star film for me because you give so much of a shit about these people and they barely speak. There's like five lines. Yeah, no, I mean, like, why I would compare this film with is like Jaws? Because it's the same idea of like, it's about a family unit and it's about just him trying to kind of survive and remove himself from the world and lock himself away. But the world will just try to find its way in. John Krasinski, like, 
He co-wrote this. He directed it. He starred in it. Like that is like George Clooney levels of like trying yeah. to keep everything. And George Clooney's been very hit and miss. Yeah, as a director. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Yeah. And like, I mean, I haven't. I will freely admit, I haven't seen the other two films that John Krasinski has directed. But I can tell you right now, if this was a debut, like this is an announcement of talent. Yeah, you know what I'm trying to say. This is like, I am really excited to see what he does next. Me too, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a scene in this that takes you up to the next level. And uh, we we were kind of talking about it before. It was like it isn't a spoiler because it's in the trailer. But there's a there's a plot point that takes it up a couple of notches. Yeah. And that plot point is Emily Blunt's character becomes pregnant. Yes. You see that in the trailer. And there's a sequence where she's in the bathroom. That's that's one that's kind of been pushed. Holy. And it hell. is. It's a tour de force from her in terms of acting yeah. mm. and intensity, but just. Like the scare, the, the yeah. atmosphere, the yeah. you are on the edge of your seat for the whole thing. I don't Definitely. know, like I always wonder, is it because, is it something because she's pregnant, does that add something it to it? It absolutely does, because yeah. you're like, if you're, you're going to Naturally go, like, vulnerable. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're going to be like, right, you, it's not just that, so obviously the naturally vulnerable thing as well, but this is yeah. layered because the whole thing in this is that these monsters, aliens, or wherever the fuck they're from, mm-hmm. where they are, um, is that they're attracted to sound. To so sound, you think, yeah. right, how is a baby going to fit into this? Yeah. Because babies cry and you can't yeah. tell it to be quiet. Babies cry and there's the actual birthing process. I mean, I, I've never gone through it myself, but I'd imagine it's quite difficult to stay yeah. silent during it. We've all gone um, through yeah. it in some way coming out, I suppose. Like, yeah. Do you know what remember. Scientologists do, though? Scientologists have apparently have this thing Mad stuff. Si- yeah, no, they have this thing called silent births, apparently, yeah. where they actually have to like bite down on like a rubber thing when they're doing it. Yeah, I know, it's weird. Weird. <laughs> that is very weird. I don't know how I know that as well either, but like, yeah, that's the thing. Okay, let's talk about Hurricane Heist before we move on to Michael inside. Although yes. we're all in, I think we're all in agreement this week that uh, A Quiet Place is deadly and you do need to Brilliant. go and see it. Brilliant, yeah. Yep. Okay, the Hurricane Heist, you caught up with Rob Cohn. Uh, we're going to play that when it was a bonus podcast probably yes. early next week. Um, you caught up from LA. Rob Cohn directed uh, Fast and Furious, mm-hmm. Dragon. Uh, it was a producer on the Monster Squad. Yeah. Yep. Which is what I give a shit about. Also the produced X. The Running Man. The Running Man. Arnold, Schwarz- Arnold Schwarzenegger. Serpent under Rainbow, Wes Craven. And do you know how he actually got his start in his career? He was the guy who found the script for The Sting with uh, Paul Newman and... Robert Redford. He was the guy no who actually found, yeah, he found that that's it. Like he was apparently he was a reader in like Columbia Pictures or something like that. And he found the script for this thing. It was like, this is amazing. We this needs to be made into a film. He kept harping on about it. He was only like about like he was really young. And then this that's what kind of got him in the business. This thing. There you the go. This thing. This thing. Okay, the uh, Hurricane Heist, there was like a game of rock, paper, scissors for who wouldn't have to take this review. <laughs> but you actually ended up quite enjoying yeah. this. It's like Sharknado, yes. so bad it's good. It is so bad it's good. It's like the best bad movie I've seen in a long time. Like, I don't know where to even begin with this. There are so many like movie cliches. Like there's, uh, you know, like all the kitchenware is shaking and then it's falling. And there's, uh, you know, the tragic, you know, loss of the parent and everything. It's kind of like like Twister on acid or something, you know, it just goes so like crazy and nuts and the CGI is god awful and there's just like action sequence <laughs> after action sequence which I kind of like Like nothing loved. has let up and this is Toby Cabell who's Kebble, Toby Cabell? Toby Kebble? Ke- yeah, Toby Kebble. sure. Yeah. He's like a Shakespearean, like, you know, yeah. very well to do uh, you know, kind of Eddie Morrison-esque actor. Yeah. Uh, Played Coba in um, Dawn, Dawn, Dawn uh, Yeah, Dawn of the Deployer. Yeah, Dawn just is, like yeah. a really, like, and he's like, he's totally slumming it, isn't he? Do you yeah. think he's doing, is this like a James Franco style project for college or something? I don't know, maybe <laughs> they just saw this and they were like, you know what, this is just going to be such good crack. And I mean, you get that infectious, infectious 
sense of fun like watching it and everything yeah. um, Maggie Grace is in it as well who people will know as Kim from the Taken movies and she's brilliant I thought she was great in this like she really does step up to the plate and like is a convincing action heroine because yeah. we've talked about this in the past like you kind of really have to be you know convincing and everything you know like Charlie Saron for example in yeah. Atomic Blonde and she's actually, a bar now isn't she yeah. Charlie Saron yeah. and we actually were talking about Atomic Blonde and Rob Cohn was saying he's a big fan of it so yeah, yeah. I just thought that this movie was a lot of fun it is one of those movies where you know you leave your brain at the door leave your film critic you know notions Whatever. at the notions. door and just I love, go, that's exact, notions that's the exact way notions. to describe film critics <laughs> notions. notions I'm going to do a whole podcast just me giving out about film critics what <laughs> shitheads they are self-loving film critic yeah okay. yeah good I'm glad you yeah. said self-loving <laughs> good I'm glad you I'm not really a film critic anymore apart from this to be honest <laughs> but you were for years I was for years yeah. and I hate but if myself you're, if you're not <laughs> bothered if you're not go- bothered to go to the cinema but I would recommend see it on the big screen because it's so much fun bring your mates and everything it's gone Sky Cinema so as well it's, it's a strange also release. going on Sky Cinema yeah yeah they did it before with this movie called Monster Family which was like god awful but this is actually like I said good bad it's a lot of fun and Sky Cinema so you can watch it on your TV legally legally Legally, legally. I'm, I'm glad you said legally. Thieves. What was that? What was that ad that used to be on about the pirate and years ago? And he's walking through the market, and he was like, "You wouldn't steal a yeah. whatever was oh contract, one? mate. Not with the paper. Oh yeah, it's a different one. As advertised on Crime Stoppers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Okay, let's talk Michael inside, and we're going to play out your interview uh, yeah. with Frank Berry. And I was here for the interview that you did with Frank. I haven't seen this yet. I'm dying to see it. Yeah. I suppose to go to the premiere, but I was stuck working. Uh, I went to college with Frank. Technically, Frank taught me in college. Taught me film stuff. Taught. 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 Ah. taught me a film different stuff. Taught. Different taught. <laughs> taught me film stuff in college. And he's like, the man is a gentleman. Yeah. Uh, and we kind of knew from early on in college because all of the tutors would show us uh, their work and stuff they'd made. And some of them you were like, I'm not listening to you for two years. <laughs> you don't know what the hell you're doing. And then Frank showed us a short movie he made uh, called The Black Suit, which is like seven minutes long, which is just so slick. And he made a TV movie called This Time Around for very little money. And he had to frame soon the soundtrack for us. So we, like, we knew from them, we were like, this guy just knows exactly he what mm-hmm. he's doing. Uh, and I loved your interview with him as well. I'm looking forward to for people's reactions to that because I think it's going to go down very well. Brian, this is based on a, an 18-year-old who goes to jail for a drugs offence. Yeah. And there's a real level of authenticity to yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. Like, I mean, it's the kind of thing that I don't think that Irish uh, crime films, generally speaking, have this level of authenticity mm-hmm. to it. Because well, they, I would even say international yeah. crime films, you know? Yeah, That's yeah. what really impressed me about it. It's really different to anything I've seen. Yeah, very much so. Because, I mean, I know he said it in a previous interview. It was like, you know, this isn't a crime film. If anything, this is like, you know, an extra in one of those crime films. What happened to him? Yeah. You know, that sort of way. I love that setup for a film. I think that's a really interesting, yeah. one mm-hmm. of those important peripheral characters that you just like... Because I would wonder, I mean, just watching a film, I was looking at those girls, where did, uh, where, where did he end yeah. up? Yeah, and this yeah. is it. Like, I mean, it's very much kind of layered from the start that David Flynn, uh, the character, Michael, um, he's vulnerable. You know, that's sort of, he's a young guy. He's very impressionable. He's mm-hmm. very easily led by people. And he, the circumstances that gets him into prison, it, it almost just kind of happens. You know, that sort of way. It's almost like as if like he doesn't even know what's happening. He's just sort of like being dazed, being pushed through like a, a guard station and then he's taken out and then he's brought into court and he just seems to kind of like, I don't want to say away with the fairies, but he's just sort of like doesn't really know what's happening. It's just all seems mm. to be happening to him. He's very passive like. And then when he's brought into prison, he meets uh, Mo Dunford, who's this kind of career criminal who again can, you know, recognize that vulnerability and then just using it, uses it for his own ends. Yeah. And it's, it's, I just, yeah, I mean, it's so emotional in the sense that 
you know, he's trying to internalize everything because obviously it's Michael inside. Yeah. But he's trying to keep everything in. He's trying to keep you the pressure that off. Weakness, yeah. But the weakness just begins to come out of him, yeah. and you can see him slowly, slowly breaking, and it's heartbreaking to watch. Yeah. Like, There's a film, uh, Spike, in my opinion, Spike Lee's best movie, one of Ed Norton's best performance, the 25th, 25th hour, hour yeah. which is, um, we must do that for a revisit, but where a character, have you seen that, day? No, where I haven't. Basically, really Ed Norton's character is like a kind of a low-level, mid-level drug dealer mm. and is going to jail. He's going, He knows he's going to jail for seven years and then this is his last night before he goes to jail. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was an interesting comparison to make to Michael Inside, which is obviously a bit more of a like kind of a quieter film deal, yeah. more of a subtle film. Yeah, it's funny. The movie that actually kind of came to my mind and like bear with me on this because I know initially you'll be thinking like, what? How did that come to your mind? But it kind of brought me back to Boys in the Hood actually because really? I was kind of thinking yeah. that what that movie was serving as a commentary with regards to race and the kind of patterns that like the black community in America get into and like really struggle to get out of. It was kind of doing the same with regards to kind of commentating on class yeah. in Ireland. Yeah. So that's how I found that as an interesting kind of comparison. And um, yeah, I'd say those are kind of the two big things for me, which with Michael inside, which I thought kind of just brought it up to another level was like that authenticity with the relation to because you see him go through all the processes as he's like filling out the papers and the guards are kind of talking to Michael and everything and being quite nice to him. Like they're not really letting him Frank off the hook. Frank wants us to be as organic as a can. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But they know that like it's kind of a first time offense and everything. So they're being really nice to him and he's going through all the processes. So it's really really authentic and paired back in that way and then secondly what it says about you know class and how people just get into these cycles that are very kind of inescapable you learn about you know Michael's family backdrop and the kind of struggles they're going through as well through the different generations he lives with his grandfather who's played by Lola Roddy who's also excellent in brilliant this actor. Yeah, brilliant, yeah. brilliant and actor and it's funny because the movie I'd probably most immediately recognise him from is Grabbers and yeah. that's like a comedy this is a very different role for Grabbers him. was a good crack it yeah. Yes, Grabbers great, is a really underrated comedy. Irish kind of horror movie. That's that's a I must look that one up again. Is it on Netflix? Or I think it is I on Netflix. It is. Yeah, 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 it was for a while there Gra- anyway. Grabbers bombed, which was shocking. Because I can't believe that because yeah. like yeah. that should that film is. I think that will yeah. be one of those ones where it's like a midnight classic kind of thing. Yeah. I think if that had been rela- released in the eighties, we'd be talking about it the same way we talk about monsters. Yeah, you know, that kind of there's a real sense of fun to that film. Yeah. I completely forgot that that existed. Brian, you had an interesting comparison, and I know you get into some of the stuff that Dee was talking about there yeah. with Frank about the judicial system and the, and the prison system in Ireland. But you had an interesting comparison because Mike Lee and Ken Loach are kind of easy enough names to throw sure. out there when talking about films like this that are so organic. Uh, but you said, uh, you would interview like Frank would be Ridley Scott if he wanted to be. That's it. My point is, is that he is that talented. He has that amount of, you know, command of the camera that he's mm-hmm. that confident behind it and not showy. But it, it, it's the sort of thing that if he wanted to, he could be making... 100 million movies easily if he wanted $100 million big budget absolutely I have no doubt in my mind that he could do that he has the talent and the command to do that and I think he's able to kind of generate that organic performance out of actors which a lot of directors can't do because nowadays like most directors who do big blockbuster movies they're basically CGI people you know yeah. that's it. they come up through that system whereas I think with Michael Inside and with I Used to Live Here and with uh, Ballymun Lullaby he's able to kind of get a really honest, dramatic, real performance out of people. And like Ridley Scott is the only is the director I think of in my mind. Like you think of like Blade Runner, you know, yeah. that sort of mm-hmm. way. You think of like the duelist, or even think of something like Black Hawk Down or G.I. Jane or any of the films he's done. He's able to get a really honest 
performance to come out of them. Like. That's why you get like directors like Michael Bay, who's mm-hmm. you know incredible action director, but that's pretty much it. Yeah, he's a really yeah. good second unit director who's given these enormous budgets to make, and he's not a director like I think Kate Beckinsale said this from Pearl Harbor, who directs from the inside out. Yeah, you know, whereas Ridley Scott obviously is, and I yeah. get that comparison with Frank because it, it kind of seems like a strange one because he's making these movies for no money. Yeah, he's making them for feck all. Like they're like there's very little budget with them. You know, and they're very much real, honest, raw films. Like, I mean, Michael Inside, I, I, it's on the poster, you'll see it. It's yeah. like a stripped-back, raw masterpiece. It really is that. Point light front and centre in the poster. Hmm. But I think if he wanted to, he could be making, he could be doing big, big movies, but he's not. And yeah. I have such respect for that. I don't think he wants to become part of, he's kind of saying to us off-camera when you're yeah. doing the interview, I don't think he wants to become part of that, uh, you know, movies by jury or movies by, yeah. you know, committee. Uh, where you've everybody kind of getting trying to stick their oar in, and because I'd say, I mean, even as a TV director, he, he could be going and mm-hmm. making insane money per episode to work yeah. on a cable series or something. He just doesn't seem to have any interest. Yeah, but I mean, you also have to remember that it also grants him a lot more independence, you know, yeah, that freedom, way yeah. exactly, exactly it, to kind of especially to deal with because he really looks at some very like difficult topics. But between Michael and Side looking at kind of the prison system, and then I used to live here. Um, I, I saw that movie as well, which is brilliant. But it looks at the topic of suicide which is yeah. heavy going. Like you can imagine that if, you know, he was getting the bigger budgets and if there was more like studio influence, even from like kind of a smaller Irish level, there would be kind of, you know, talk of, well, maybe don't talk about yeah, that. Yeah, maybe go too be, heavy on one exactly, thing. You've got yeah. funding coming from somewhere, funding yeah. coming from somebody else and a producer. Yeah, so all the more power to him, really. Yeah, I'm dying to see this. I'm going to go and see this this weekend. Okay, so Brian, uh, set up your interview with Frank first. Yeah, so we basically just talked about Michael inside the research that he did for it, working with the actors. And uh, yeah, and you can watch the, if you don't like to listen to the... If you want to see Brian's beautiful face. Who would? Uh, the video is up on YouTube. So yeah, here we go. The first question I wanted to ask you was, I mean, I know a lot of the work you've done is very, very researched, but I'm wondering, you know, where precisely did the initial kind of, I suppose, inspiration come from Michael inside? And what was it about, you know, prison stories in Ireland that made you want to kind of, I suppose, really create the definitive one, I think? Well, um, thank you. Um, <laughs> I um, I got the idea for the film when I was making my last film. Right. So I spent two years um, working in, in Tala and uh, I met a lot of the... A, a great community of people. Uh, we made a film about youth mental health and that's where I met David, actually. Yeah. Um, but I got to know a lot, an awful lot of the young people there. And I suppose um, when you spend a lot of time somewhere, uh, you do a lot of listening and uh, I sat... Uh, looking at the world from the point of view of a lot of young people that I met who, who uh, uh, were, were, were great young people, but you kind of, you ask them questions and, and listen to, to their outlook on the world and, and their vision of their lives. Um, there were some, some lives, that, some people that inspired me. I felt that they, um, some, some of the young people I met may have left school, left school early. Yeah. Didn't really see their lives um, in, in any kind of uh, big picture. Couldn't really see where they were going. Didn't have, yeah. a, have, have a view of, of what their prospects were. And I just felt that due to the circumstances of the environment they're growing up in, there's criminal activity taking place around them uh, uh, at times that they're vulnerable. Yeah. And um, so I thought the more traditional drama uh, where gangsters are at the centre of the, yeah. the nucleus of the story... Um, that there's a there's this uh, uh, another story here where we we uh, we turn the camera away from what's more traditionally focused on in yeah, in sure, these yeah. in these stories, and we actually tell the story of a young a young lad uh, on the outskirts of the group um, who doesn't want to be a criminal. I didn't really want to give criminal 
uh, characters the the kind the of the, the attention. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, instead, it's just the idea to make the film was that you know um, this is a really really valuable story to to see the the ripple effects um, of that activity. Mm. So he gets. Uh, somebody who gets affected by other people's activity in the area, yeah. who who um, is impressionable um, and uh, makes the decision to hold a bag of drugs, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for 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 his friend's older brother, and and it's it's a decision that's kind of almost invisible to him. He doesn't really even notice he's made the decision. Yeah, it's just it's all, and even though that's actually, it's funny you say that because when I was watching it, it's like when the police turn up to take him away, you're kind of like, oh, hang on, what was it for again? Oh yeah, it was just for that thing. Like it yes. was so inconsequential. That's, that's exactly it. Is, yeah. is that he's just not clued in yeah. to what everything that's going on. Who's talking to who? What's you know? He was told to move it, and he says, "Yeah, uh, I, I was going to." Yeah, he just forgot about it. Like, yeah, kind of thing. you know. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so there's all this stuff going on. So he's impressionable, mm. and of course, young, you know, and and not 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 the key uh, elements of the st- of the story. Mm. So um, uh, so that was the initial uh, impulse. And then mm. I thought, okay, well, there are a lot of young people who are vulnerable like that who become part of the prison population. And it's just uh, an opportunity to, to, uh, to explore the penal system, to explore the lives of uh, very, very real lives in Ireland yeah. and to look at um, a, a path that a lot of people uh, go on, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so that's when I, 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 um, I contacted the Irish Prison Service and they, they directed me to Pathways, uh, which is the CDETB's... Um, Film or uh, prison education program. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I started researching. Then I brought this idea to the former prisoners. And what did they make of it? Well, they responded to it quite enthusiastically. They said that this is a story that um, they recognise yeah. as as being either their story in that they they did something early in their lives, um, not really aware of the consequences, or they started taking drugs yeah. um, at a point in in their lives, and the trajectory of their lives changed by a degree or something. And every day that goes by, they get farther from the path yeah, they were yeah, on. Yeah. And so they they either resonated with it uh, in in their own lives, or they resonated um, uh, recognized it in the lives of people that they spent time with. Yeah, you know, in prison. And uh, uh, we just um, had a shared conviction in terms of. The importance of of telling this story that's yeah. just not your typical crime story. Yeah, it's yeah. you know because I mean it's it's the funny thing of like I mean I know David Simon kind of went into this a bit in the wire in the sense that like you know is prison actually for drug offences and what have you is it actually a real bit rehabilitative process and like in Michael inside as well it's not really a case of oh you know he goes in and he learns something about himself and he comes out a new man it's more just he has been sent in there to waste time almost. And I'm wondering, you know, was that a deliberate choice or was that a case of from what, you know, the people in the Irish Prison Service, was that what they told you? Was that what they're kind of said, no, it's really like this? I mean, what was that kind of well, part of it? Yeah, well, there, there's lots of, uh, lots of uh, theories, lots of research, and lots of, of um, progressive uh, work going on in the prison service. And there, uh, I went to a, a lot of... Uh, uh, open days and discussions and classes on criminology in pathways um, and, and listen to everything. Uh, the film is an expression of the experiences of, of the prisoners that I, I, I worked with. Um, and, uh, but what, what came out of those conversations was uh, their feelings about um, the circumstances of their convictions, their, their time in prison, and really importantly, uh, how it affected them when they, when they, um, 
when they 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 uh, left prison. You know, prison is is punishment, yeah. of course. So yeah. um, it also has a um, a function as rehabilitation. Um, so whether that's successful or not is is uh, is an ongoing debate in criminology yeah. all all the time. Um, but I thought this film, I got very kind of excited uh, during the research of this film when we start when when a lot of the former prisoners were talking to me about um, how it feels to uh, to know that a prison term is is um, uh, is, mo- is, is, is is likely yeah. or or is um, is a certainty, and that's when they say their prison uh, begins really mentally. So we started talking about their mental health, mm. and then we started talking about how do you feel when you leave prison. Um, and you have done the time, you go back to the community that, that led you there in the first place. Yeah. What's your self-image? Do you know, what is mm. your, wh- how do you feel about yourself? And, um, and so those conversations were, were really kind of, um, uh, they were just very rich in, 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 in opinions and detail yeah, and experiences. Yeah. So the film kind of became a, a story of, of, of the lead up to a prison experience, the experience itself, and then, uh, how how it affects Michael when when he leaves, um, so it very much comes from the former prisoners what they wanted to say. Yeah, yeah. In terms of the uh, screenplay, and I guess like the dialogue as well, because again, I mean, it's the one thing that I, I would really say about this film, and you've, as you say yourself, it's authentic. It comes from real experiences. It comes from you know that environment, what these people went through. Um, did you have like a, a specific? Like lines of dialogue, or was it kind of improvised on not improvised, but sort of ad libbed from scene to scene, or how did it work? Yeah, it, it was all written. Um, I started the film with with an idea about the, the uh, Michael and Francis. Yeah. So this this um, family relationship was was something that I thought of while I was making my last film, and just it's a relationship that never left me. It's one I've seen over the years, mm. um, and. So um, I took this into um, Pathways and I, I talked a little bit about Michael. And it really, uh, there's no, I guess there's no shortcuts to this type of, of research in that you just uh, spend time, mm. you, you get to know uh, a, a lot of people and over time um, you establish trust yeah. and a relationship and then uh, people uh, start to share uh, and they can, if, if, if when they understand the purpose of the film, that yeah. actually they have a, an opportunity to say something that might um, uh, uh, benefit a film that that yeah. could actually have a purpose in the world. That's not exploitative. Like that's not exploitative. Yeah. yeah they, so they they um uh, they they start to share, and so I would just listen and take notes, and um, somebody one day would say, um, "Your sentence only starts when you're released," and hmm. and these things that. That um, uh, you don't know what the resonant lines are going to be when you're writing the script until they find an audience and then people say them back to you. Yeah. Um, but uh, it was always that process uh, of of listening, taking notes, um, and then just organically things find uh, details and and lines and uh, uh, find their way in. Yeah. In terms of actually uh, filming, I mean, you know, again, it, it is one of those films. I think that. You know the environment that it's in is as much a kind of character in the story as you know Daffod or Mo or any of the actors. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you, I suppose, how you shot it in the sense of like, you know, did you want to kind of get, you know, the claustrophobia? Did you want to show the, uh, I guess, the, the the vastness of the prison and how they were tiny parts in it? I mean, mm. what were your, what was your thinking, you know, in terms of cinematography? Well, um, my my. 
my first uh, film, we shot every uh, scene in the one shot. Yeah. So I, uh, mostly. So I, um, I wanted there to be a, a reality, a realism in that um, I, they were all non-professional actors. So I didn't want to treat them like kind of um, uh, like actors in, in a way where we were just going, okay, we'll do this and then we'll do this. And I wanted... Locking uh, it like a locking it, mark. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wanted there, there to a sense of capturing, capturing uh, an uninterrupted time frame. And then when those scenes are combined, it'll, it, it'll have a, re- a power in terms of realism. Yeah. So I took this idea into Michael Inside where I wanted uh, to cover the scenes in a similar way so that we are feeling... Uh, that there's something is uh, uh, there, there's a realism, you know, yeah. and then um, so that was the starting point. And then I with with um, uh, Tom Comerford, uh, a wonderful DOP, and Colin Campbell as well, our editor, uh, we evolved it, uh, you know, by bringing in some montage sequences, you know, uh, to showing the committal process and, yeah. and the release as well. And there's a number of of, of those sequences in, in the film, but. Um, yeah, it, so it was every, every, all those aesthetic choices are are uh, to try and uh, enhance a sense of, of of realism. So, you know, we end up with a film that people can look at and recognise as one that reflects the world that we live in. So, so perhaps it might have an opportunity to be used to discuss issues. Mm. Yeah. Have I mean have you screened it for you know people in pathways and for them so far? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we, did we, we 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 screened it. Um, I think it was before Christmas. Right. Yeah, it was. It was great. It was. I mean, it, it, you know, I think, uh, um, you know, they knew it was a it was a feature film, sure. and actually, a lot of them were on set, so they were special extras. Um, some of them had some acting responsibility, um, but it's always a bit of a, a shock when you yeah. see a feature film, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's a lot of pride uh, yeah. in it. I think uh, the, the the phrase I, I get a lot is "it's very real," yeah. you know, and uh, uh, there is a lot of pride. Um, what the, I think. I think the film does deliver what they hoped it, it, it might, you know. Yeah. Uh, that's that's genuinely one of because uh, I watched you do it. So I, I, like I was time in the room. We were in the new studio. You filmed it in the new studio with fancy green screen and all that. And I watched you. That's one of my favorite interviews that you've done. It's uh, very it's very hard for me to take you seriously. No, genuinely because I know because I'm so used to you slagging me, and now you're giving me this compliment, and I can't take it. Like it's very hard for me to get on board with this. Ah, Brian. See, I see. Come I start, See, the issue is here. I started off with Brian giving him compliments. I started mm-hmm. off by saying, "I think you're great. Here's a job." I think you should come in here full time. I know. I'm just. I'm very aware. And he got cocky, and you had to bring him. Down I had to bring. He got cocky. Yeah. When did I ever get cocky? When have I ever gotten cocky? That's very true. To be fair, but we're just making sure. I think <laughs> you haven't gotten cocky because we're taking the piss out yeah, of you so much. Right. All right. We yeah. W- thank you. Though we want you to stay your pure angry self. And we know? have to. And we have, I think we do have to point out. We do have to kind of uh, say that Brian puts this podcast together for us every week. Now yeah, as well. he's very good. Brian is very good. <laughs> Although we had a bit of a boob earlier on. Do you want to say, Brian? <laughs> he's banging his head off the mic. Right. Right. We have to re-upload it. Yeah, so basically, we have technical glitch. We, if you're listening to this podcast, you may have possibly heard a different version of this podcast earlier in the day. Let's just forget that that version of the podcast ever existed because I made a bit of a boo-boo. I freely admit that. I am man. You're a busy a, man. I have these things. Um, and yeah, so this is the new, we will never speak of the other version podcast. New and, imp- new and improved. New and improved. New listeners. Improved. We were, look get, look we were getting very indulgent. We were getting very indulgent, very, I thought, yeah. because I wasn't even timing them as much. And we used to do them in the Sunshine Studio. Uh, I was making sunshine. sure. Sunshine. Love that studio. I love that station. Brian, you love their work. I love Sunshine. I, love I don't give a shit. I am a fan of Sunshine 106.8. That's a free plug. <laughs> they play a lot of 90s, which I approve of. You have, yes. to, you have to appreciate that. But uh, when you're in the studio, you're kind of more inclined to, 
to stick to a certain streaming yes. format but we shoot this as well we shoot this podcast as well for clips and for possible advertisers Commanders, Commanders, bro. Commanders, bro. We're cursing a lot less lately. Commanders, bro. (laughs) Uh, Okay, let's talk movie news, Deirdre. So, first item on the agenda, we'll just do two pieces of movie news today. Um, Starting off with Cameron Diaz is. Have I said her word? Yes, you got it right. You got it right. I'm definitely. I'm going to say it right. We recorded this. I really am. I've I've had the chance to uh, practice the name Cameron. Cameron, that is Cameron. I I don't tell me what I was saying before now because I'll start to say that. Sure, so Cameron sure, Diaz is officially it's a, it's a country, retired. It's a country in Africa. For anyway, go on. <laughs> anyway, um, she did say it herself in 2017, but basically there was a whole furore recently because Selma Blair, um, who co-starred with Cameron Diaz in 2002's The Sweetest Thing, um, she was in an interview and she said, "Oh yeah, so ca- you know how Cameron Diaz is retired and everything," and then she immediately back backtracked on Twitter and said ah, that was just a joke and now I'm retiring from being Cameron Diaz's spokesperson so herself um, herself Cameron and Christina Applegate so they're the three kind of stars of the sweetest thing they were doing an interview then with Entertainment Weekly I assume they're doing a lot of these because it's yeah. like the anniversary or they're whatever doing a, they're doing a lot of um, those type of like because the sweetest yeah. thing is a strange film <laughs> to was, it that, was it that much did it have that much of an impact I had an ex-girlfriend yeah. who loved it so used to call uh, it all okay. the time but it's not, it's not bridesmaids good like. I haven't even like seen it like when I think of that era I think of like Legally Blonde yeah. Yeah. you know I get that uh, to a yeah. certain degree yeah. like there's a musical for Le- Legally Blonde abroad exactly. there still is I think yes yeah. there is um, but yeah so essentially what Diaz said was and I'm quoting directly now was I'm semi-retired too and I am actually retired so I would love to see you ladies and that was sparked off by Christina Applegate who was essentially saying that she is also semi-retired yeah. so Christina yeah. Applegate semi-retired that's yeah, she, she had said, a kid. Yeah. She had a kid. Apparently, and oh, okay. she just wanted to be a mother. So yeah, I can yeah, understand. Enough, yeah. Like. yeah, it's uh, weird because I saw her recently, and well, I rewatched Friends. So oh yes, it seems like she was acting just so recently. Who yeah. is you know? It's funny talking about Friends because. Uh, I'm a little bit obsessed with this video that Paul Rudd did, right, with Jimmy. I'm not I'm not the world's biggest fan of Jimmy Fallon as a talk show host. Sure. But his viral videos, he's a, an extremely talented man. Yes. And when he does those viral videos, he's great at them. Paul Rudd has done two of them, two music ones. And obviously, Paul Rudd played Mike and Friends. And there's mm-hmm. my music. I was watching it last night. He was in an episode. He did the King of Wishful Thinking. Yeah. And Brian, I think you need to give us a bang of that. And he also did, and I'm going to give you another blast of this. He did uh, sticks um, too much time on Brilliant. my hands. Is it any wonder I've got too much time on my hands? Away with my so that just reminded me because I was watching Friends last night, and Paul Rudd popped up, and I was like, "This man is so good. He can oh, literally so good. never retire." Paul Rudd, Cameron Diaz, she played crazy uh, really well in mm-hmm. Vanilla Sky. Uh, which is a difficult thing to do. Like you can yeah. see it in her eyes. Oh yeah, she was brilliant in it. Yeah. My eyes. What you say? In looking into my eyes. Open your eyes. Open your Open eyes. Your eyes. That was is, the original film. Yeah. yeah, that was another Cameroon day. Cameroon Crow. <laughs> <laughs> Don't confuse me. I swear to God, I'm going to do it again. Um, but yeah, so um, we were just saying this before. Her last film was Annie. So it's kind of an interesting one to. Leave don't go out on Annie. Yeah. Don't go out on Annie Cameron. But yeah. like, Come on. don't forget, like, I mean, Gene Hackman went off on Welcome to Mooseport, which, which was this crap uh, comedy with Ray Romano well, and Sean not, Connery. Dead, yes, I know he's not dead, but I'm saying, like, true. as in, you know, Sean Connery finished on League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. So, like, these, I think, actors who have these really broad, very varied careers, if they end in, like, a bit of a bleh, 
what about it yeah. Yeah. Sean Connery was offered the Albert Finney role in uh, the last Bond movie and that's right and, he and turned it, it down and turned it down I would have loved to see that and he was offered a role in uh, Kingdom with a Crystal Skull as well and turned that down as yeah. well Sean yeah. Connery gives zero fucks Roger but what? fair play to him what else have you got for us so I'm also going to talk about our trailer of the week so we're going to be talking about Cargo here's a clip if you are infected then you've got 48 hours <laughs> stop the car to, let me out you have to take her. What do you mean? You have to what take are you her. About? I'm here, all right. So this film stars Martin Freeman and it's actually going to Netflix which is mm. kind of interesting. It's one of these like zombie apocalypse films and in it he plays this father who has just been um, contracted with the virus. He's also lost his wife to it and now he has to defend his infant daughter against all these like vicious beings um, all around him and he only has 48 hours to I bring like her it's to like a sanctuary. Because you sent me the trailer the other day yeah. and I like the trailer where it was a bit like you like, like, hit the timer on a Fitbit. <laughs> it's all these zombies. You're like four hours and it just starts ticking down but I think it's it's a, it's a point because Mar- Martin Freeman's in Ghost Stories which also comes out this week mm-hmm. comes out uh, tomorrow if yep. you listen to this yep. on Thursday we're recording on Thursday uh, which is fine but he seems to be going a little bit down a genre route for yeah. to be a lead man because he's so good in Fargo he is so good in the yeah. first season mm-hmm. of Fargo he is so good in The Office yep. I could give less of a shit about The Hobbit was Sherlock, he was, Sherlock good. he was good well, in Sherlock yeah, as well. Yeah. I've never seen Sherlock. You, you'd love, you should watch Sherlock actually. You should give it a go. It's on Netflix. On Netflix, yeah. yeah. On Netflix, yeah. Huh? Um, no, I love the way John McHale does that in the show. He's been mentioned Netflix. Yeah, no, he, um, he's really good in Sherlock as well. Yeah, he's, like, he's, very good, like, he's very good playing the straight man to yeah. somebody kind of wacky. Like. He's a good actor too. Mm-hmm. I think he's just a very good actor. Yeah, yeah, that's just it. I mean, I suppose he's kind of trying to find his way now. Now that he's done like series and he's kind of done like series of movies. Yeah, he's just kind of doing whatever projects, I suppose, land like scripts land on his lap that he, you know, was interested by. So more power to him. There's another one, there's another actor, another British actor who, and because speaking of Sherlock, was one of those shows that I've just never seen. I started Mm. watching Luther and I I binge watched the whole thing. Now I'm afraid that, like, like, anytime I see somebody walking alone at night, I'm like, you're going to get murdered. You're going to get murdered horribly by some strange little skinny white man. And it's just going to be, it's going to be weird and it's going to be an intelligence. It's going to be like four. So I really got into Luther and it's incredible. But what I will say about Luther is, uh, obviously, I knew Stringer Bell, Idris Elba. Yeah. Like playing Stringer Bell on The Wire and he's like so good. Yeah. But Luther started in like 2010. And then all of a sudden you would see Idris Elba popping up in all of these movies and being linked with Bond all the time. And I hadn't the seen the terrible Luther. movie, The Dark Tower. Yeah, oh. but I'd never, I'd never seen Luther, so I was kind of like, like, yeah, yeah, like whatever. I've watched Luther. I know you see it. I know I, he is. Yeah. Deadly. Has anybody else watched Luther? I haven't. I've, you see, this is it. Luther came out around the same time as Sherlock, and I just went for Sherlock. But yeah, everyone I know who's watched Luther, like, oh, you got to get into it. Like, it's so that's amazing. It's so it's good. So violent. Yeah. yeah. I've heard it's awesome, but I've only. It's interesting because he's kind of. I suppose he's. It's interesting you compare the two because it's a similar route and that started off in TV and looking to movies um, now. But he hasn't really had a hit movie, no. has he? Not a lead, no. Yeah, because I mean, there was uh, the other one I saw him in, which was god awful, was Bastille Day. Oh god, that was, a, that was a real audition for Bond, I think. Um, yeah. But he's, yeah. he's probably think he's forty five, forty six now. But as John Luther, like I urge you guys to give Luther a bash because it's almost like procedural in some sense. Yeah, that? like you know, mm-hmm. CSI see somebody getting killed then David Caruso takes his glasses off and the music kicks in the who kick in but it's 
gritty and it's grimy and it's so violent mm. it is so violent but it's, it's absolutely well worth looking up went off on a million tangents this week we do apologise <laughs> Brian give us your mailbag yes letters we get letters are you actually going to play it or are you just going to yes it? <laughs> letters we get letters we get stacks and stacks of letters Alright, so we got this letter in from Owen Murphy And I'm not going to read it all But I'm going to skip to the main parts He says "Um, I was listening to your latest podcast And Brian's desperate pleas for someone to send him an email Uh, So I thought I'd be a good smart and help him out As he clearly has some anger issues Which may be related to his lack of email He's got your number He got my number Okay, so he says uh, I'm really looking forward to Isle of Dogs It's fantastic Mr. Fox was one of my favourite Wes Anderson movies I thought your discussion last week on streaming services Was really interesting And I would agree that they have produced some great films In the last few years Highlights being Mudbound, Mayerwitz Files and Okja And considering how Blade Runner 2049 did at the box office I wonder if Denis Villeneuve would have gone to Netflix if he had the choice again, considering its performance at the box office. That said, I would prefer to watch Blade Runner 2049 on a similar screen because we were talking about Annihilation. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully you'll have more discussions on the future of the film industry and perhaps the compromises that will have to be made to ensure the cinema experience has a strong future. That is from Owen Murphy. Owen Murphy, you are getting a bag of goody stuff uh, from Tomb Raider. Thank you for sending this in. Uh, if you want to send in more emails, if you want to send us death threats, if you want to send us whatever. <laughs> Brian, you've got enough death threats on yeah, I think that you don't need to encourage those. <laughs> sure. Uh, the email address is Brian, that's B-R-I-A-N, at entertainment.ie. Please send us in your emails. The letter that we read out on the show, we will send you a goodie bag. So there you go. Uh, and shout out uh, for the second letter as well for, for a chap who's based in Stockholm. Yeah, uh, Hugh Yeah, Hugh in Sweden. Yeah, he says he's listening to us. He says he wants us to keep cursing. Hugh, if you could possibly email the CEO of our company and tell <laughs> him that, because he won't yeah. believe us. Uh, and we've agreed... Deirdre? Or D? D- no, no D. we haven't no, we've agreed. We've agreed D. Oh, no, I think I, we know, uh, you know what? I refuse labels, you guys. I like where your head's at. I, 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 just, I think we need to be consistent. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I give, yeah, that is fair. That is but fair. So I think we go with D. I think we go with D. How do you feel about that, Deirdre? Ah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do you revisit this week, Brian? Um, we're kind of banging out the kind of I mean, obviously they're classics as well. Sure. At a certain point, we're going to run out of them and just kind of revisit Stranger Films. But uh, I've there's like a hundred years of movies. We're not going to run out yeah, of movies to I revisit. Liked, ones I liked. It's very small, day. <laughs> My two favorite films of all time. I'll fucking say it. Swear jar. Go on. Swingers and Scream. Second one. You've the one you've picked this week. Is Scream, but I, I, we need to unpack why you like uh, Swingers so much. I, I we'll do it another time. Another Money show. baby. We'll another do another, show. Another Money show. baby. Um, yeah, so Scream, I mean, right, Wes Craven, a master of horror, um, him doing something like this that's so meta, that's so kind of turned in on itself, that's so kind of plays with the genre and the rules of the genre. There's rules! Um, the formula to it, there's a it's, very simple formula. It's, yeah, no, it's crazy. Like, um, Brilliant uh, throwbacks, Drew Barrymore doing the whole kind of psycho thing. Um, Mar- uh, Courtney Cox, brilliant in it, David Arquette, brilliant in it. Um I think it's aged incredibly well. I think that's one thing that I didn't get to touch on before. It's aged incredibly well. Like I think a you fine can, wine. Yeah, yeah, totally. You can go back Wes and watch. Craven was a ma- like was an absolute master. And he, he really was. What I even find funny as well is that I think he kind of saw ahead to the kind of idea of films referencing themselves. Yeah. You, know, yeah. Sort of, yeah. you look at something like Guardians of the Galaxy or if you look at something like Thor Ragnarok yeah. in the sense that like it's taking the superhero genre but then kind of Inverting itself and kind of ripping yeah, kind the piss of ripping out, the piss ripping the piss out. That was, that was yeah. Kevin Williamson's script, and he was the first kind of person. I think he wrote it in like a week. He had a spec for it. It was called Scary Movie, and I know D 
you had said you saw it around yeah. the same time as scary movie. See, movie I saw it around the same time as scary movie, so I genuinely like can't tell them apart because as anyone who's seen scary movie knows, it like references it's screen shit. throughout. Yeah. It's really it's funny. It's good. No, it's good. It's, it's good. And I actually saw scary movie just um recently. I think like I don't know if all of them are on Netflix, but a good few of them are on Netflix and I was just rewatching it and it's it's very enjoyable, you know, it's so light. No, it's not. Ah, it's good bad crack. films. No, I will not. say I've gone into this shit show we call a profession. Uh, I went to film school as I mentioned where, where Frank Berry uh, obviously directed Michael Inside uh, teaching me. I got I went to film school because of Wes Craven and, and John Favreau and Swingers and that movie and Scream as well. I got into this profession specifically so I could fucking interview Wes Craven and he passed away before I got a chance to interview him. Mm. Uh, but he's one of the unheralded directors in any genre. Yeah. Uh, and Scream is a perfect example of how good he was at structuring scares, at structuring a film. And Brian, this is one of the best paced one of the oh, most yeah. well-paced slasher movies, horror movies, any movies ever it made. It just zips along, doesn't yeah. it? Like, mm-hmm. and like, I think what is it? Like ninety minutes, something like that. Something but like that. You're two tours of the way through it, and you're like, oh shit! It's she's getting a call when she's in. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, it's house. crazy. Yeah. yeah, it's so well done. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it, it's aged incredibly well. I think it has such a kind of sense of humor about itself, which I think really works it's for self self aware. Yeah. Exactly, self awareness, and I think that's something like horror, like sci fi, like comic movies. If, if it's so prolific, you need a movie that can kind of acknowledge the ridiculousness mm-hmm. of it all. You know, yeah. sort of, and I think that's what Scream did. So I mean, yeah. it's iconic. It's immediately recognizable from I forget his name now, bad guy, Skeet Ulrich. Yeah, has not aged as well as Scream. No, no, no. but the 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 man Ghostface, 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 yeah. Ghostface, yeah. yeah. Um, actually, do, do you know what the sequel's great as well? Scream 2 is fantastic. Timothy Oliphant, Laurie Metcalf, uh, recently nominated for an Oscar from Roseanne. That's right. Mm. It's a really good sequel. Yeah. And it, uh, Jamie Kennedy uh, was kind of got a bump off the back of it. And Matthew Lillard, who played Stu in this. Yes. So the scene towards the end of it, Brian, you might give the bash of it. But uh, the scene towards the end of it where Matthew Lillard and Skid Ulrich's characters are holding the hostage. baby! But I remember, like, Matthew Lillard managed to be really funny in that <laughs> scene. And Wes Craven gave Nev Campbell, uh, Nev Campbell had said after, gave her fant- as Sydney gave her a fantastic bit of direction. Sorry, I've just taken over your reviews. Sure, saying, no, do it, do it, do it. Don't pick films I like. Uh, but he, she, was, she wasn't sure to play the scene, the scene mm-hmm. where she's captured by the two guys. And Wes Craven apparently said to her, imagine there's a thousand bullets ricocheting off your body. Not ricochet, ricocheting off your body. <laughs> I got you. Ricocheting off your body. I got and so that. if you look at her, she's kind of like, she's got that sallow breeding. And I just thought that was shallow breeding. I just thought that was a fantastic piece of direction. Yeah, it's very yeah. Like I mean, Nev Campbell's a really underrated actress as well. I think. Brilliant house of cards. Yeah, brilliant house of cards. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, great choice. Uh, that was another uh, uh, audience uh, listener, David Benjamin. David Benjamin mm-hmm. sent that into us. So All about David Benjamin. Benjamin. Thank you for uh, thank you for that. And if you have uh, a suggestion for next week's revisit. Tweet us, email us, do whatever. Yeah. Let us know, and we will uh, we will definitely take a look. Okay, uh, before we go, and we're going to wrap up now. Uh, I want to have uh, because we talk about it so much, and we haven't talked about it this podcast yet. Yes. Okay. I want a little. I want a little bit. I want a little bit in every podcast from John Wick. <laughs> I want to let people know. I want to let people know, Brian, that we're big John Wick. We're fans. all John Wick. We're all, fans. we're all in on John. All Wick. three of us. We're on John Wick. So, what do you think about a little a little soundboy? Okay. From now us? on, anytime you say the word John Wick, you will get this blast. Fucking pencil! And that's it. That's all I can give you. That's all you can give me. I like that. And this we is... have to make sure that we tie it into every show from now on. Every single yes. show. Yeah. <laughs> just I make like make more work for me. Yeah. Make more work for me. 
Uh, thanks so much uh, for downloading. Thanks so much for subscribing and reviewing if you have indeed reviewed. Do follow the, the at the film show, F-I-L-U-M on Twitter um, and tell your friends unless you don't like the show in which, which case, you know, shut just, up. just shut up. <laughs> don't tell anybody. Uh, massive thanks uh, to Brian for re-recording this week as well. Uh, fair play to him. He's all over the place. He's on national television there this morning. Uh, he's off doing radio probably later on and did yeah. this as well. And of course to Dean Malumbi. We'll chat to you next week.